The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hello, I'm Peter Strachan, and welcome to this edition of the Groundwork Wildcatter. So today we're actually talking to uh, Golden State Mining, and we're delighted to have Michael Moore, who's the Managing Director of that company, in uh, to talk to us about the activities. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thank you, Peter. Good to be talking to you today. So um, Golden State Mining is a, an incredibly tightly held little company with only 36.6 million shares. That's not a lot of shares when you're compared with the peers. Uh, the company at the end of last year had about $1.7 million in the bank, and it's getting ready to spend some of that money on turning a drill bit up in the uh, Pilbara as soon as they can get in on their uh, permits. Uh, the company is also distinguished by having a former colleague of mine, Greg Hancock, on the board uh, <laughs> and a um, good bloke. Really, uh, what I wanted to do before we began talking about the uh, projects, uh, Mike, was to just get some feel for your background. I know you're a mining engineer uh, from England and you've worked internationally, but what have you done and, and what was it about Golden State that attracted you to the company? Thanks, Peter. Well, I, I guess it was inevitable that I would end up in the mining field. I was born on a copper mine in Cyprus where my father was a mining engineer there. So I grew up around mining my whole life and never really considered doing anything else. And so I studied mining at the Camborne School of Mines in the UK. And part of my time there involved a vacation stint at Tom Price in the Pilbara. This was back in 1997. It was pretty quiet back then, but I was lucky enough to secure a, an eight-week slot there, getting my getting my work experience. And it just highlighted to me the, the potential of this part of the world and the opportunities that are here. So once I graduated, I arrived here as a backpacker in 1999, and the gold price was totally in the toilet, and it was a really tough time. I had 12 months on a visa to try and find somebody that would take a chance and sponsor me. And, and luckily, just before my time was up, a local contracting firm took a chance on me and gave me an opportunity to be a project engineer. And my first gig was basically up at the Argyle Diamond Mine, uh, running uh, drilling and ground support activities for this contracting company. So that was 20 years ago. And I've spent probably half my career in the contracting field and the other half associated with junior mining companies initially as a project manager, getting a West African mineral sands project up and running in the Gambia. And then subsequently, I had a stint as CEO of a, of a junior explorer. And, you know, throughout that time, I'd had an opportunity to work with some fantastic people and felt that, you know, if the right opportunity presented itself in terms of assets, it would be great to pull something together and work with all those great people that I'd had some experience with over the years. So back in about 2016, I had the opportunity to start looking for projects. And initially, the Q project became available. And that was the sort of catalyst for me to, to reach out to somebody I'd worked for corporately uh, and worked with corporately, a chap called Damien Kelly. Damien's the chairman of, of Golden State Mining. 
he had picked up some ground in the Pilbara, this particular Yule ground, and it has an association with Graham Hutton, who many people may well recall. Graham was a pretty legendary prospecting geologist with some some great runs, um, sadly passed now. And but that ground, the Yule ground, really attracted me. I felt that it was you know pretty much elephant country and and ripe for for greenfields exploration. And then we picked up some ground up at Laverton. And so that all came together. We had built a pretty good relationship with Hartleys, who are cornerstone of the of the IPO. And then we listed the company in November 2018. And you, know, you rightly mentioned that it's a pretty tightly held stock. We we worked really hard to keep that stock as tight as possible because you know we're very conscious of the fickle nature of the market and the difficulties in raising capital. So if you're doing that from a very tight shareholder um, script base, then the opportunities are, are much easier. And we weren't greedy in terms of divvying out uh, excess cheap stock to people. So we raised seed at 10 cents, which is pretty good. Uh, so nobody got in other than the founders at less than 10 cents. And then obviously we IPO'd at 20. And I think that, you know, if we get a, you know, and obviously we're very positive about you, but any any success with a tight shareholding like that should result in some decent share price movement ultimately. So, um, you know, we, we try to position ourselves well for, you know, for, for that success. So, Mike, uh, you're getting a bit of sort of glow, a glow from your neighbour, uh, DeGray. And DeGray is a, a company with a market capitalisation of about $166 million. And today, when I first looked at the company yesterday, the market cap was less than $3 million. Today, the share price has been up and over uh, the market cap over $5 million, I think currently trading at about $4 million. And as I said, about $1.5 million of cash in the bank. So uh, there's a bit of leverage there looking at Golden State compared to what DeGray has done. And of course, DeGray has come out with some spectacular results. They've got about 1.7 million ounces of gold in the ground as resources in their Withnall project, but uh, they've recently had some spectacular drilling only about 13, 14 kilometres south of where you are at a prospect called Hemi. Uh, They had 44 metres at 5.1 grams a tonne and 46 metres at 6.6 grams a tonne. So you're now looking very closely at what they've done and seeing if you can replicate that with the ground, you know, not very far away to the north from where uh, DeGray has had all that success. Absolutely. Great numbers from those guys. And, you know, hats off to them. What we were really looking for, and this is a great catalyst, it shines a spotlight on this this Pilbara region, uh, particularly the Yule River region. We obviously identified it as having great potential. There's cover there, uh, as the as we see at Hemi. They've got about 40 metres of cover. We've got cover. And so you're very reliant on the geophysics there. And, you know, we saw enough in the geophysics that, uh, that, that very much attracted us. And we've obviously got a program coming up in April. Near Neighbours success, look, it, it's great to have that neurology. It's, it's more about the marketability and marketing this area. It's a, it's a long forgotten area. Uh, because of the cover, there's nothing for the, you know, the wandering geologist to trip over in terms of outcrop and, um, you know, exposed rock. So you've really got to think, you know, outside the box in terms of how you target in this region. So to have the spotlight shone upon us, look, we'll take that because we're equally enthusiastic about this ground and we think it's got some great potential, not only for gold, um, but for also, also some of the, the, the specialist metals. Uh, Graham particularly liked it for tantalum you know, and now think lithium and also the base metals. And Yule North, we've got the shoal shear, uh, very prospective for base metals. Uh, but obviously, you know, gold is a very marketable commodity. People understand it. People understand the pricing. 
you know, you, we get the updates on the television every evening. And, you know, in that southern tenement and the eastern tenement that we have at Yule, uh, you know, we've got similar rock types, similar structures. So what's great is that um, we get some leads and we get some intel as a consequence of the work that these guys are doing. And we can apply that and hopefully apply some shortcuts to the exploration program that we'll be undertaking in April. Yes, the, sort of the region has in the past, 30, 40 years ago, uh, there'd been some work on VMS uh, work with base metals, uh, very high grades of silver in some areas. Uh, but then I think the whole area has been sort of overshadowed by iron ore, which has been the main focus of uh, exploration and uh, development. And, and everyone just, when you think Pilbara, you think, oh, well, that's where all the iron ore is. But you know, really, there's still a lot of... Uh, exploration potential for other metals and uh, there's certainly been some nickel there there's been some uh, certainly lead and zinc and high grade uh, gold discovered in 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 parts so the the main tool you're using is actually geophysics is there does there is there any sort of geochemistry that you find that works in that region not really no it's it's tough so the geochemistry is not a is not an an easy option as it might be elsewhere in in wa um, but the geophysics is good uh, the quality of the work that's been done is good there there is some a little bit of historical drilling on the ground that we have and uh, you know we're reviewing that currently so that you know that that's given us enough of a uh, of an incentive to to, to pursue this uh, but you know we 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 basically believed in the geological fundamentals of this region and as you said you know people got obsessed with iron ore in the mid 2000s quite rightly um this ground was vended into a company and graham's hypothesis was was never tested because of the iron ore boom you know why concentrate on on lithium tantalum wasn't really of much interest at that stage and so it was it was focused on as a, as an iron ore um as a, as an iron ore target and languished unloved and you know, Damien Kelly, our chairman, who'd worked with Graham, had the foresight once this ground became available to to pick it up. And, and literally two weeks after he picked it up, I rang him and said, look, I've, I've got one project, I think a couple more, and we've got the basis of a float. And, and that's how it happened. And, uh, you know, this process has, has been all about, you know, good relationships. And you know, we're, ha- we're very happy to be in that region. You know, there are some challenges, obviously, with the cover. Ultimately, that has masked the opportunity. And so for us, we think it's a, it's a great time to be there and very happy that others are having success in the area because, you know, a little bit like the Pattersons that languished, you know, off everybody's radar for quite some time, um, we can look at this region and hopefully we can get some inflow of some, some good money into this uh, region for exploration and, um, you know, we can develop its true potential. And the fact that it's so closely located to, you know, significant infrastructure, be it roads and ports, so whether you've discovered a bulk commodity there or whether you've discovered gold, um, you've got everything you need. All the right ingredients are there. So uh, these days, 40 metres of covers is hardly anything. I mean, a lot, a lot of people are drilling below 200 metres for, for geophysical targets these days. So that's really not a huge uh, disincentive. But you're going to be doing some scout uh, drilling. You're, you're hoping to get in there on the ground in April. What's the uh, the access like, you know, given the wet season and so forth, uh, which you know, should be sort of finishing up in March? Will the ground be dry enough in April to get onto it, do you think? It should be. I mean, I think we've uh, dodged a bullet, certainly with uh, Cyclone Damien. So that was great. There's it, always a challenge. It's best never to schedule in exploration between you know Christmas and Easter. 
we've got a heritage survey coming up in a couple of weeks. So no issues with that. We've been in touch with the local station. Everything's in uh, pretty good condition out there. Uh, there was a lot of rebuilding as a result of the last cyclone. So a lot of the infrastructure was reinforced. So that's great. And the intention is, uh, you know, statutory approvals out the way. We'll be, we'll be there with a 4,000 meter air core program at the, sometime in April. And, you know, and obviously we're going to hit as many of these targets as possible with a, with a major focus, obviously, on gold. Yes. Yeah, so as you say, you've got a multi-element focus, but with gold as the major, there's a potential for platinum group elements, uh, as you say, uh, tin, tantalum, rare earths, and this scout drilling. Uh, how deep will you be going? Will that be sort of to blade refusal, sort of 60, 80 metres, or how deep do you think you can go with those that air core in the area? Yeah, look, we've we've uh, we've used previously used a rig up at uh, up at Laverton to do air core, and they can they can switch bits. So if we if we get to blade refusal on the air core, we can we can change over, put a hammer on, and drill a bit deeper. But generally, the cover at Yule is anything from a few meters, three or four meters, down to sixty meters. And but most of the areas that we'll be drilling, I guess, an average of about thirty meters. So you know, pretty very very doable. And and obviously, bottom of hole, we'll be we'll be looking for those anomalies. Yeah, so this is very much a sort of a, a deep sort of geochemical type target where you're looking for the last four to six metres, uh, what, what that shows you, yeah, and and, and whether to, it's uh, rather than taking samples from the soil, which is, as you say, doesn't really tell us very much, uh, to take samples from 30 metres down is going to give you a much better indication of what lies deeper. Absolutely. You know, and people have used um, satellite data to, to do interp, looking for minerals on the surface. And, uh, you know, that's, that's been part of the, you know, the, the repertoire that we've got. And, you know, we balance that with all the other elements and all the other data that we have. And, um, you know, we've defined these quite clear targets. And so, yeah, just looking forward to getting on ground and punching some holes in and, and seeing what we find. But, you know, we've got some good structural context there. Um, as I said, similar rocks. Um, on the southern and eastern tenements to the guys, uh, to the DeGray boys down south. So, you know, that certainly helped us refine our targeting, Peter, definitely. So, Michael, I think our groundwork uh, listeners would be interested to know a little bit more about the geophysical anomalies uh, that you're seeing and how do you think that those anomalies have similarities with the sort of geophysical anomalies that others in the region have found, like um, others being, you know, DeGray? Yeah, look, we've got some great um, primary and secondary structures running through the tenements. Uh, we've we've had some interesting intrusions in there, lots of fluid movement, and we can see through, through, see that through the geophysics. The previous announcement that uh, that we put out in January um, was quite specific about those particular targets, and people can have a look at that announcement where those target areas are. and And this was one thing that drew drew Graham in was the the fundamentals. Uh, of that geophysics and those intrusions that, that, that were coming in. So that's an important part um, of the work that we're relying on in this targeting. Do you know or have you have you had enough evidence to determine are you looking for volcanogenic massive sulphides or sort of hydrothermal, ancient sort of proterozoic hydrothermal type targets? What is it in particular? Um, in the south, the hydrothermal. Yes. So that's that's very much uh, what we'd be concentrating on there. Um, and, uh, you know, VMS-style deposits in the north there along the Shoal Shear. So where will you be starting your work? That's going to be at the Bala Yule, is it? No, we'll start on the southern tenements. Okay. So that's that's going to be a primary focus. Um, as I said, we've, we've gleaned some some data from, from the, the degree work, and that's helped us refine and, and reprioritise some targets on the south. 
but very much want to get up to Balliol in the north. And that'll probably be as a result of a second programme that we'll hope back to back with uh, this first programme in April. The De Grey area seems to have a strike roughly east-west. Is the country running the same way in your to the north or are there uh, structures that run sort of north-south-ish? We've got some quite strong north-south structures as long as some east-west in the southern tenements. And we've got that very significant structure, the shoal shear in the north, um, you know, and think of uh, projects like Radio Hill, Rim, Rim Creek. They sit along that, that, that shoal shear structure. So we know that it's got the ability to, to deliver these ore bodies. And again, it's the cover that's masked that opportunity. And again, we'll be, we'll be dialing in on that via the geophysics. There, there are also some historic drill holes uh, into the Balayul. Uh, that uh, that Brumby that Brumby put in, and you know, they got some nickel and lithium numbers. Now all that does is is highlight the, the, the potential, the opportunity there for that particular structure at Bali or to to potentially deliver some nice mineralisation. Okay, so it's all uh, all guns shooting in April uh, with assay results coming through in sort of middle of May, I guess, uh, three, two three weeks at the assay laboratories. Absolutely. Yeah. No, look, we're, we'll be as keen as anybody to get these results back pretty quickly. So we would expect that sometime mid-May. Okay. So that's going to be quite exciting. And as I said in the introduction, with a market capitalization of just 4 million, you know, whilst De Grey already has a fairly substantial gold resource it, with a market capitalization of 166 million, you can see sort of leverage there on any sort of success uh, from this work. And, and whilst this is fairly early scout drilling that we're going to be seeing in April, uh, hopefully with any uh, success, there'll be more targeted, deeper drilling to follow. Uh, how quickly do you think you could to turn that around and, and get back in and do some follow-up work, Mike? Oh, pretty quickly. You know, if, if we get a hint of anything, if we get some good PPB numbers in that drilling, Peter, we'll have uh, RC rigs at the ready to go back up there and uh, and target those things a little bit deeper. So, you know, for for us, keeping that capital structure very, very tight meant that, you know, investors had that, had that leverage. And, um, you know, when we get an opportunity like this and we can demonstrate that it is it has got the pedigree um, and that it will sustain further drill programs, then, you know, I think that um, we'll be switching from, uh, you know, certainly switching in terms of the investor's mind in terms of what, you know, what, what we have the ability to deliver. So that program is going to, what, cost about two or $300,000 or? Yeah, about a quarter of a million that, for that first phase. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're also planning to do some work down at the, in the Murchison at the Kadingwara area. You've got a geochemical supported by geophysical targets there and you're planning another 4,000 metres of echo drilling there. I think that's subject to permitting and so forth going forward, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Look, we obviously Q was a cornerstone, Q in the Murchison was a cornerstone of the IPO. And initially we had some theories about greenstone under the granite that we had there and there was... Um, some seismic data that you know supported that theory. We went up there. We drilled some some deep holes. You know, not the sort of thing that explorers normally do to to test this theory. And look, unfortunately, uh, we didn't get the greenstone rocks. We got alteration. We got low order gold numbers, but not enough to warrant us continuing to expend on that. But in the meantime, we picked up the Cuttingwara and Big Bell South ground from Lefroy Exploration. Uh, good guys down there at Lefroy, and so it's always been on the agenda to to drill down there 
And obviously, it's a pretty brownfields area, an area that sits between, you know, old mining centers and has never really had a substantial amount of exploration. So we would like to drill that sometime later this year. But obviously, um, probably about four weeks ago, we'd elevated Yule as the priority target because it was so open and it was very much elephant country. And, you know, our decision has only been reinforced by the results from Degray last week. Uh, we also did some drilling up at Four Mile Well just before Christmas. Uh, and again, you know, the results weren't what we were hoping for. Um, it was an old WMC anomaly that after air core, uh, we couldn't substantiate that in, in the drilling. So we'll see what we're going to do with that. Um, but, you know, we did what we set out to do when we IPO'd. People, you know, we're pretty close to a lot of the investors and they gave us money to give these three projects a good shake. And they liked the variety, the 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 variety of the geology, the, the variety of the geographic location and the variety of the opportunity. And, you know, we've given Q a good shake and, you know, didn't quite get what we wanted, but we've got Cutting Warrior to move on to. We've given Yule a good go, uh, or we're about to give Yule a good go. And, and you know, we went to Four Mile Well and, you know, it didn't work out. That's exploration. But the investors gave us that money to have a red hot go and to technically apply ourselves to these projects. And, and that's what we've done. And so, you know, the feedback has generally been very, very good. And But we are looking forward to you. That's the, that really is going to be exciting. That's the main game. You want to keep your focus on that, that project. And as you said, you sort through these projects, you have a look. Uh, you're not going to die in a ditch for wanting, you know, to know. You, you drill the holes. And if, uh, if it still has some potential, you might be able to attract a farming partner or you can uh, sort, you know, look for something new and, and try and find the next uh, project that looks uh, exciting. So I think the focus definitely on the, in the, on the Pilbara through the first half and potentially the second half of this year. And uh, I think the uh, investors will be watching very closely as you get up there. How long will it take you to drill uh, the, the, the projects that you're doing in, uh, in the Pilbara, you know, just to do this 4,000 metres of air core? I'd say you know, there's a bit of, bit of moving around to do to various drill sites, but, you know, two or three weeks we yeah. should have it done. So, yeah, that's, that's the plan. Perfect. All right. Well, we'll Mike, uh, thanks for coming in. And I think that's really uh, painted a picture of what we can expect to see through April and May up in the Pilbara. And uh, we'll be watching also very closely to see what the follow-up drilling uh, is by your neighbours to see just how much uh, they can find there. And certainly having a partner who's, you know, going into the development mode uh, makes any uh, success that you might have uh, even more interesting. Absolutely. Look, it's a, it's a very difficult time in the industry at the moment for those at, uh, at the early end of the sector, you know, those, those greenfields explorers. So this sort of news flow is great. It, it retains interest. Ultimately, somebody's got to make these discoveries and not a lot of it's happening at the big end of town. So we're still reliant on junior companies such as ours that are, you know, tightly held, well supported to go out there and make these discoveries. And so it's an important part of the, the mining sector here in WA and uh, happy to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, we're conscious of the Treasury and where it's best to spend our dollars. And at the moment, yours is place. 
Absolutely. And I think what we have seen as well is companies that are having success, uh, if they can support that success, there's usually a buyer in the in the wings. And as we've seen with Romelius uh, this week, uh, making another acquisition and certainly uh, Silver Lake has been acquisitive as well. So uh, those smaller companies that find something and just don't really have the wherewithal to get it up into production, there's, there's usually a, a big brother, a partner willing to come in and either uh, go into the partnership or to take over the operation and, and move it forward using their balance sheet. So, uh, well, good luck, uh, Mike, and we'll be watching again. And I think probably what we should do is try and book you into for late May, early June, once you've got the results and you've been able to uh, coordinate all of that and, and out- analyse the results, and we can come back and see where you go from there. Yeah, really look forward to that. And Peter, as you mentioned, it's having the, the mids and the majors with a spotlight on companies such as ours ready to step in and support, you know, good quality exploration is very important for our sector. So yeah, I'd love to come back and talk about it later on. Okay, thanks, Mike. And thanks for coming in. We look forward to seeing you in the middle of the year. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.